Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. There's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. God is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Let's just say that together. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. I really feel like the next thing that I would like to do, everybody should have had one of these in the back of their seat or in their chair. Everybody got one of these? Yeah. Let's stand together and read this as a declaration. I believe words, words are seeds. Words are like seeds, and, and when they come out of our mouth, when we hear our own words speaking, that we need to become that fertile ground that those seeds can grow in, that we fertilize that ground, water those seeds, that they will grow in our lives. Are you with me? Are you ready? Everybody got one? Almost everybody got one. Oh, it's on the screen. All right. Awesome. Thank you, thank you. Okay, ready? Let's, let's start this together. My, my vision for the future gives purpose to the present. Hold it right there. Let's read that one again. This one is so significant, so important, and so powerful. Read this again. I, I don't trust any thought that doesn't have hope attached to it. I get Amen. I Yeah, we just do that one again. I. 
Wow, we're, we're, we've got an echo. We got <laughs> Next, when. Again, when I repent, I change the way I think. I put on the new man by renewing the spirit of my mind with the word of God. I am so convinced that I can do what Jesus did that failure does not faze me. Oh, let's do that one again. I am so convinced that I can do what Jesus did that failure does not faze me. I give myself permission to make mistakes so I can learn. I don't complain about the darkness because I know my light makes a difference. That's another good one that we need to read again. Read it and believe it. Read it and believe it. Ready? I don't complain about the darkness because I know my light makes a difference. My imagination is active and alive to God. What I imagine is the framework for my future. Yeah, that's probably a one more timer. My imagination is active and alive to God. What I imagine is the framework for my future. And last, I am unreasonably optimistic. <laughs> now, now just turn to your neighbor, point your finger at him and say, You are unreasonably optimistic. You are unreasonably optimistic. Then give them a, hand, a handshake or a hug and tell them you're thankful for them. Oh, I hear laughter out there. Does, a, does my heart good. The... Uh, the title of my message is Get Your Joy Back. Oh, just one more time, turn to your neighbor and say, Get your joy back. <laughs> More laughter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we, the, all of the uh, couple guys that work for me, I don't have any employees, but a couple... Here at the church, we have employees. They're not necessarily my employees, but I'm talking about it in the secular realm. A couple guys as subcontractors work for me, and last week I just, heard, I just heard them talking about the frustration because of all of the anxiety that they're feeling out there and go, I am sick of it. I am sick of all this anxiety. I can't wait until this is over. I can't wait till the election's over. It's like, man... What we need to do is get our joy back so people can see the joy of the Lord in us so we can be that light in the darkness that shines for others to see. I, want, I, have, a, I have a short amount of time and a lot to say, so I might have to start talking faster than usual. 
If you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. How do you get your joy back? Well, one of the things that we have so got to understand and got to realize is get our faith back. Establish firmly, establish our faith to end up walking in that joy that's available to us and for us. I want to start reading uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this week, I think we had, I don't even know how many phone calls we ended up getting to pray for people. And we were able to get to, I think, two or three places to actually go to people's houses to lay hands on people and to be able to, you know, to pray for healing over people. It's like, it's amazing what's happening. And some of it, just like Christy Lynn was talking about, is just like where panic attacks, where people are, there's so much anxiety out there that people are beginning to panic and feel weight on their chest, thinking that something's sitting on my chest, I can't breathe, and so it must be COVID. It's like, no, it's not COVID. It's anxiety right now. And I'm not saying it never is it COVID, but I'm just saying there is so much anxiety and fear going around out there that we have got to reestablish, maybe revisit our faith. So I want to just start with faith right now this morning. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's like, all right, faith as a substance, faith is a substance. That means it's, it's tangible, right? Faith as a, as a substance. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if we're hoping for something, yet we don't have faith, it's nothing but a wish. If we're hoping for something without faith, it's nothing but a wish. Just a big wish. And, uh, <laughs> never mind. I've just heard before uh, saying, it's like, wish in one hand and just spit in the other one and see which one fills up first. Something like that. The one that you're wishing for, very rarely does it get very much in it. But if we have faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I think in this declaration, it says that we, we, we don't even give any credibility to anything or any thought that comes into our heads that is not have a hope attached to it. And hope is the thing that is built on faith. Faith, faith. It doesn't do much good to hope without faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, when I think evidence. So I want to still, I want to just, I want to stay on this, this foundation of uh, first faith, of faith, faith, faith being the, the foundation. When we get ready to, to, to build something, I know we just built a new house. Been, we started it uh, summer before last and watched them out there and they dug down until the ground was really good and solid down there. And where it was good and solid, they started building the foundation. They poured a footing and then they put stem walls on that so that that house would be built on a really solid foundation. 
So as they built it, we could make it as fancy as we want inside. We can make a really cool house, but if it doesn't have a good foundation, it's not going to stand. It's going to end up cracked. It's not going to stay a nice house very long. What we need to be building our future on is faith as a very foundational element. It is a substance like concrete. The concrete in our lives is faith. Everybody with me? Evidence of things not seen. Evidence. Well, when you go into a courtroom, most of the time it requires somebody that has seen something happen. If you want to have a defense or if you want to sue somebody or something, you really need to have a witness that typically has seen something, experienced something that's happened to be a witness. And that is the evidence that you have, material evidence or something. But, but faith, 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 substance of things hoped for, and evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Where do you use a testimony? Well, in a courtroom. But... It wasn't something that they actually could carry, could show, unless it was something that was created, something that happened that they testified of. Still making sense? Mostly. By faith, we understand. Now we have to really go back to the foundation of faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. The worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen, which is the world that we live in, the ground that we walk on, the air that we breathe, the trees, the beautiful landscape that we get to see, the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So we have to just kind of process a little bit. God didn't, anything that we create, we have to take something visible to be able to create something different from it, right? I mean, plastic is made of something. This cap is made of something. There was a, a raw material, but God ended up speaking the world into existence. It was not something that was tangible that he, he, he was able to grab and make. He spoke it into existence. Do you believe that? That's the basis of faith. Our foundation is built on that faith that we believe God created everything. And he created it from nothing. He spoke it into existence. So words are like seeds, they grow things, they create things, they build things. So when we make declarations and believe in these declarations, things in our lives can start changing. It, it, it's not something that, that, that we're doing, something that we're using to do. It's something that a supernatural power of the spoken word. Everybody still with me? Okay. Romans 10:17 faith comes by hearing 
hearing by the word of God. All things were created by and through God, by his word, spoken into existence. Faith comes by hearing, which comes by the word of God. So our faith, which is something that is difficult, it's not, it doesn't seem to be something that's tangible, but it becomes tangible because God has created it in us by his spoken word. Everything's still making sense. We're building. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.7, it says, Faith, we, we live, we're led by faith, not by sight. We're led by faith, which is something that is not seeming to most people, to the world. It's not something that's tangible. It's not something that even makes sense because it's something that God spoke into existence, that it's by the Word that we end up having that faith. He created that in us. We've all been given a measure of faith even to be able to believe in Him. We just did a baptism, and I said, do you believe? Upon the confession of your faith, I baptize you. So faith is something that, that, that she has, that they have, that God has given them, that then they begin to exercise. Led by faith, not by sight. I have... <laughs> We used, uh, we read in, in Psalm 46 back there, believe, uh, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. God, God has done all of the things. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He, he's our protector. He moves mountains. He creates just by a spoken word. And that what we have to do is believe. Be still and know that I'm God. Believe. It's like, okay, I'm thinking of faith. Am I a believer? Because I stand on faith. I am, I, so I, I be. <laughs> Are you with me? I, I be. I be a believer. Because I am, I be, I stand. So I'm a believer. Lever. I am being there. Like being there in the moment, I'm a believer. Okay. Be still and know that I'm good. Be in his presence, but be. Believer. Now, some of the problem that we run into is struggling as we try to, as we try to wrap our mind around our, that, that faith and as we try to build our faith we want to see. We want to be see leavers, not be leavers. <laughs> Are you a see lever or a be lever? S E E, see leavers. It's like you're getting crazy here, Lynn. I just think that this really makes a point. You know, in our society today, we just say seeing is believing. Seeing is believing, right? But the kingdom of God is such a backward kingdom that believing is seeing. First we be, then we see. First we be, 
then we see, be still and know that I'm God, building our foundation of faith on being and believing rather than having to always see. Are you a sea-lever? Okay. Next. Man, if it feels good, do it. If it feels right, it must be the right thing to do. No. No. It's like there are believers that have their foundation built and established in their faith in God, knowing, understanding that He is almighty and that He can, will, and does take care of His kids. There are sea-leavers that have to see something to be able to believe it, and there are feel-leavers. I ain't feeling it, bro. I ain't feeling it. Ah, uh, no. That don't feel right to me. No, I don't feel like doing that. No, no, no. I have to see it first and feel it before I can be it. <laughs> I got to be a sea lever, I got to be a feel lever, then possibly I can be a bee lever. No. <laughs> We're called to be, and we are called believers. So we can be in His presence. So we can be present. So we can be called on. So we can be servants to be His hands and feet. That's the beers that we're called to be. And when we have established that faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now, when we end up having a testimony, somebody, or, or, or they even get, get to see, like in, in this, this case, like seeing somebody else be baptized and seeing the power of God established, seeing somebody else's face just start to glow. Wow. And then being in the presence of, of God, it's like, I want to be baptized. That's what I want in my life. And that's how the kingdom grows. By a bunch of believers. There is a peace that we can step into when we have faith, knowing that God's in control. There's a place and a peace that we can just step into. One of the things, and almost every time that, uh, I mean, lately, every time that I'm praying for somebody, it's, I'm praying for the peace of God. That peace of God that just surpasses understanding to come to guard their heart, to guard their mind, and for them just to be able to experience that. Sometimes even just for a little while to feel that, that peace of God. It's like, oh, oh, I feel that peace. I feel that peace. Oh, thank you. I just want to, we had someone at our house, what day? A couple days ago. Two days ago, Sarah. Well, it was at our house, and before she left, we ended up, we, we prayed for her, and she goes, oh, she's like wobbling around. She says, I just want to lay down and take a nap. I feel that peace. I feel that peace. So, oh, I just want to lay down and take a nap. 
That's a peace of God that just rests on us where nothing else then matters. It's like, oh, this is so good. This is so sweet. I don't need anything now but a nap, you know. You know what I'm talking about. I see a lot of faces shaking their heads, smiling. Yes, that's the peace. I recognize that peace. That's the peace of God that passes understanding because we don't just get there on our own efforts. We get there because the presence of God settles on us and just gives us his peace. He said, my peace I give unto you, Jesus. A peace that surpasses our understanding. But if we end up having that belief system and we have faith in him, then we receive that peace And as Jesus was asleep in the boat, up there asleep, everyone else freaking out, we're going to die, we're going to die, and he's asleep up in the front of the boat because he's got that peace, that peace that nothing's going to worry or trouble him. Peace of God that surpasses understanding. Um, Let's turn to Philippians 4, go through a few scriptures, a few really fast scriptures there. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I'll just read, uh, yeah, 11 through 13. This is Paul speaking. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to, be, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's being content in every situation, whether I'm full, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm under attack, whether I'm whatever. I know who my Lord and Savior is. I know what my future looks like. I know who I am in Him. I can be content. I can have peace in my life in the midst of COVID. In First uh, Timothy, 6th chapter, I'm not going to read all of this. I'm just going to say, <clears throat> Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We're going to be here just for a little bit. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Except I'm going to back up to verse 3. We'll keep it confusing here. We'll start with verse 3. For we walk not in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, so we're not fighting one another, we're not fighting with swords. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And our weapons, our our warfare worship is one of the amazing warfare weapons that we have. Prayer is another weapon of warfare that we have. Declarations are another weapon of warfare that we have. That we make those declarations and, and the enemy hears it. And the enemy does not like hearing that. But for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It's like, what's a stronghold? 
A stronghold can be something that we just struggle with. It comes back over and over and over again. A stronghold in our life can be something that we allow the enemy to have access to us. We can hang on to something long enough, battle with something long enough that it can become a stronghold. It can become a, a demonic stronghold in our life that has got to be dealt with just that way, spiritually dealt with, because we just can't really handle getting rid of that any other way. Are you with me? I'm trying to hurry a little bit now. Uh, strongholds. One really, really, really big stronghold that we've seen, that, we, that we've watched people struggle with and fight with, is hanging on to bitterness or unforgiveness gives the enemy continual access into our lives to establish and create a stronghold that we don't sometimes even understand where that's come from, why that we're fighting with that. But when, I'm going to tell you another, another way that you can recognize a, a stronghold like that and even, even determine whether you've actually forgiven someone or not. It's like, if something comes up and, and, and any little thing can end up reminding you it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden your thoughts are about that person or about that incident, about what happened to you, and you roll that over in your head over and over and over again. It's like, good grief, stop that. It's like, I need to forgive that person or I need to ask forgiveness from that person because an incident or something's taken place that needs to get cleaned up so the enemy doesn't have that stronghold in your life or in your thoughts. It's in your head. I remember going through when we were leading, Renee and I for a few years, are leading Celebrate Recovery and saying, you know, not forgiving someone and holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking someone else's poison and hoping they get sick from it. It's just like, you know what? We continue to drink from that poison, hoping that someone else gets sick from it, but the only one that it really affects is us. They don't even know what, most of the time on the other end of it what's going on. That's a stronghold. Number five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every what? Bringing every what? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so often, and so many times, we realize it's, it's unforgiveness. It's something that someone has done to us that we have hung on to that we just cannot forgive or forget. And I'll just tell you, the, 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 the check on that, they just let me check myself, let me check myself. If you have a recurring thought, when this happens, when this happens, when something just reminds you of that incident, you go back, replay, replay. Well, I could have done this, I should have done that. It's like, you have not taken that thought into captivity. It's turning into a stronghold in your life. Got it? All right. 
And we have to have faith. Sometimes it's giving that person, that incident, that whatever, over to God, trusting in Him that He's going to handle it so we don't have to, because it is not our responsibility. I'm just going to share it. I don't have time for this, but I'm going to share it anyway. So could you back the clock up about two minutes? There was, there was a situation, a, a kind of a, a little bit of a partnership thing that I created, and I didn't want to. I didn't plan on it. I, got, I begged, begged, begged. And a guy ended up buying a property together with me. Long story, it turned out very badly. He didn't follow through with the things that he said he was going to do. And finally, I just said, you know what, just give me my money back. You take the property. It was my investment to start with, but I took you in as a partner. Now you just, you just take it, and uh, you just go your own way. There's no way that I'm going to be you know, doing business with you, you've lied to me, you cheated, you blah, 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 so, you know, we're done. I thought, probably six months later, that I would come back to him, we would end up having a meeting, which, I mean, which I did, I started Celebrate Recovery, and I said, you know, I need to meet with you. I took him to lunch, and I asked him to forgive me for harboring ill feelings towards him, and I, I just asked his forgiveness there, and he stood up and said, I forgive you. And he walked away. It's like, now wait a minute. This is not supposed to work this way, Lord. I have just asked his forgiveness, and he did not reciprocate. This is not the way this is supposed to work. So for me, that turned out to be worse than if I would have just spoken to the Lord and said, I forgive him because I was expecting something back in return that he would reciprocate the same way. You know, Lynn, you know, I messed up two here at least to be half and half, but nope, it's like, I forgive you. It's like, that just didn't work the way it was supposed to, Lord. And I found myself after that Every time I would drive by that building, that memory would pop back into my head. It's like, man, that should be mine. That should still be mine. That rightfully should. And I had to finally end up release that, give that to the Lord, and and then ask the Lord forgiveness for hanging on to that stupid thing. So, that's a stronghold, which just keeps you right at that spot where you can't get past that, can't get past that, can't get past that. Okay. Well, I cheated. I wasn't going to... Taking captive every thought. You know, I mean, another thing. We're, we're, there are... There's always two voices in our life. There's the, voice of, there's the voice of God, which we're trying to train ourselves to hear. We're trying to shut out, cut out a bunch of the other noise so we can hear the voice of God. Come into a place where, 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 we, can, where we can clearly hear the voice of God and, and all of the other <laughs> is cut out even just for a little while to be able to, to hear His voice. But getting, walking through forgiveness, where we, we've forgiven everyone, where our plate's clean, and now we can hear what God has for us. You with me? Okay. Getting to that place and, and listening. But even after we've been forgiven or after we have forgiven, there's another voice that's, that, that, that's speaking to you. Even in like the situation that I just shared, saying, it's like, you know what? He didn't apologize back. What kind of... 
he certainly isn't a man of God or any kind of a Christian or he would have apologized right back. It's like, you know, we can hear another voice because there is an antagonizing voice in our life that doesn't want us to be free. That is constantly telling us, nope, 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 nope. Or telling you just because, you know, you, you got other problems. You got other problems. There, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he will drag you back to that's why one of the declarations that we made, I get my identity from the Word of God, not from my past. The enemy will drag you back into your past and tell you, what about that? What about that? You think you're ready for this? What about that? The other voice. That other voice. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who love God, called according to his purpose. There's no condemnation. There's conviction. He will convict us of something that we need to fix or change that's happening in our lives, but we are not condemned. Okay. James 4, 7. Basically, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The two voices that we're hearing, there's the two voices that we're hearing, but what we need to do, if we want peace in our lives, if we want the joy restored to our, in our lives, is submit to God, go back to the foundation of our faith, trusting and believing in his word. By his word, we're being led Submit to God. Resist the devil. Resist that voice. There's always two voices. We're always going to be hearing that other voice as well. But we resist that voice. We shut the door to that voice through forgiveness, through asking forgiveness. I mean, this is one big, big way. But there's lots of others that we need to shut the door on. I think uh, several years ago, I, I was marrying a young couple and I was doing premarital counseling with them. And in that premarital counseling, I, I, I got to be <laughs> into one of their little, let's call it a little argument that I got to help settle uh, in a premarital counseling session. And he came in and he said, yeah, well, she, she works at a convenience store over here and, and uh, I was standing over and uh, uh, nobody knew I was there and, and uh, this guy came in and he was like, he was hitting on her. It's like, okay. And tell me what happened. And he said, well, I was standing there, and, and uh, you know, he started asking. He was trying to ask her out. And she said, I said, well, what did she say? I, I look at her. What, what did you say? She said, well, I said, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I can't. I'm sorry I can't. And uh, so this guy didn't just give up. He came back the next day and the next day to ask again. He just kept bothering her because she would say, I can't. Sorry, I can't. I was like, oh, okay. Well, what do you think she should have done? We go, I don't know what she should have done, but, you know, this is becoming a really big problem because she's just said, I I'm sorry, I can't. I'm engaged. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm engaged. It's like, we need to shut that door. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm engaged. It's like, I'm engaged to be married to the most amazing man. I am absolutely happy I would not even consider that. You follow me? 
If you slam the door, submit to God, resist the devil, shut the door, giving him no access, and then he will flee from you. If you leave the door cracked open, it's like, it's like the devil hearing a maybe, maybe, maybe. It's like she's saying, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm engaged. She's trying to be polite and nice. It's like, no, no, shut the door. Slam the door. And then he will leave you alone. It's like, I've got an amazing fiancé that I'm just about to get married to. It's like, why would I even think about going out with you? Now, we have a loving Savior, a Jesus who has given his life for us. When that enemy voice comes and it starts the luring of the flesh, the temptation, when some temptation comes from the enemy in whatever form that it comes, it's where we say, it's not, I can't do that. It's like, why in the world would I want to do that? I have this amazing relationship with Jesus Christ. I love him and I know how much he loves me. Why would I want to do that? Get away from me. Get away from me. When we know the love of Jesus Christ in our lives, and we know how he sees us and how he views us and how proud he is of us, it becomes easy to say, why would I want to do that? It's like, absolutely not. Slam the door on that and just walk away saying, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. You're so amazing. You're incredible. And we turn our attention to him. You know, being her fiancé was looking at what, what she was doing and he was really frustrated by what she was doing and he was upset by what she was doing but it wasn't he wasn't really sharing the alternative just tell her how much you love me I mean just tell him how much you love me and he's probably will, will leave you alone it's like no no but he was just being angry at her and, and, and sharing with me how angry he was at her Sometimes we just need to hear and have some really clear direction and alternative as to how and what we need to do instead of just being made ashamed by what we have done wrong. Conviction, not condemnation. Last, I want to close with, with this scripture. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever, whatever things are of 
good report. It's like, man, we got to be careful what we're watching on CNN, on the news, where it's junk, 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 where we can start to go into anxiety. We can start to feel hopelessness even if we just watch too much of that junk. It says, whatever things are lovely, whatever is of good report. If there's any virtue, <laughs> if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Not just a passing thought. It's like we need to keep in our hearts an attitude of gratitude where we're seeing the good, we're seeing the pure, we're seeing the beauty, we're seeing things that are praiseworthy, and we're giving that praise. Then meditate. Then meditate. It's take some time and meditate. Just let our heads and our hearts go to that place as we're thinking about the good things, the beautiful things, the pure things, things that are praiseworthy. And then, then our joy comes back. Then peace settles in our hearts. Peace settles in our life. When we build on faith, getting to a place where we completely trust, where we obey, where we love and believe, Ah, the joy of the Lord then becomes our strength. Everybody say with me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My trust and my love is in Him. Amen. I'm going to ask him. Gonna ask the prayer team up here and let's just stand together. I'd love to pray over you. I want to read these declarations and I encourage you to take this with you, put it on your refrigerator, read it to yourself. Read it to yourself. My vision for the future gives purpose to the present because I'm looking into the future. I am living for eternity. That gives real purpose into my present. I can choose what I think about. I can meditate on good, lovely, pure, wonderful, and beautiful things that are praiseworthy. I don't trust any thought that doesn't have hope attached to it. I get my identity from the Word of God, not from my past. I have permission to be as glorious as I want to be. When I repent, I change the way I think. Renewing of my mind. I put on the new man by renewing the spirit of my mind with the Word of God. I'm so convinced that I can do what Jesus did that failure doesn't faze me. I give myself permission to make mistakes so I can learn. I don't complain about the darkness because I know my light makes a difference. My imagination is active and alive to God. And I just say, God, just give us godly imaginations that are active in you, that we will have Holy Spirit-led imaginations to do, to create, and establish your kingdom here on earth. What I imagine is a framework for my future. I am unreasonably optimistic. 
I just thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us. I thank you for each one that's gathered here. And I pray, Lord, that the word that you have given us, that you have given me, will settle on our hearts, will settle on our minds, and that we'll be able to walk out of here today changed. In Jesus' name, amen.